Fox Sports Indiana, and you're listening to Small Town Sports Talk. Hello and welcome to Small Town Sports Talk, brought to you by Endeavor Communications. I'm Jonah Freeman uh, with co-host Andrew Willett. Andrew, how are you today, man? Jonah, never been better. And again, really, really excited for this guest. Uh, he was an ABA, NBA legend, uh, Indiana legend, by the way, uh, for our hometown here. Uh, Indiana Hoosier, Indiana Pacer, uh, one of four Pacers to have their jerseys in the rafters. And we're just really excited to welcome a Naismith Hall of Famer, uh, Mr. George Medinis. George, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Um, so I just want to start off. Um, Andrew mentioned that you, you've done a lot in the hoops for Indiana. Um, what's it like growing up in a place where basketball is such a big deal, and how did that impact you growing up as a basketball player? Well, you know, one of the things about Indiana, you, you kind of drive around um, the areas that where you guys live or in, sometimes in the city, and you see nothing but basketball hoops in the driveway. This was in the 50s and 60s when – when I grew up. So, um, you know, it was just a way of life. All the kids in my neighborhood played basketball. And then I had a chance to um, watch some kids in my neighborhood play for a high school called Washington High School, where I eventually ended up going. And they won a state championship in 1965. So it was the first time I was around some guys that I knew that I was able to watch on TV. And boy, it was inspiring. And, uh, you know, we, we, our little group says, well, we're going to do that one day. And we just, um, we went out and played the next day after that state championship. And hey, you, you went on to actually end up doing that uh, when your team right. went undefeated 31 0, won a state championship in 1969. Uh, you played with Steve Downing. Right. What was that uh, team like? Well, it was, uh, we were awful big. Steve Downing it's a, was an interesting story. As a freshman in high school, he was five foot ten, and as a senior, he was six foot nine. So he almost grew a whole foot in high school in four years. So um, it was, it was pretty neat having a, you know, we were called like the twin towers of our day. And uh, then we had another gentleman by the name of Wayne Pack. So three guys on that team end up playing professional basketball so it was it was it was an honor to play with all the guys and you know you leave a legacy and i'll tell you what of all the things that i've done you know uh, winning aba championships being an all-star playing in the nba uh, being a naismith hall of famer there is nothing i have done that i got more pleasure than winning on that march night in Hinkle Field House, that high school state championship, it was a dream come true. I, I've never, I've never been able to duplicate that feeling. What was it about that feeling that was so special? If you don't mind, just kind of talk us through that night. Well, well, it was something I grew up with. You know, being an African American kid, I watched Addicts in 1955-56. I was six years old win that championship and uh, I saw the joy on their faces and I just thought, man, this is something I'd really like to do. But I didn't know though any of those guys. But when I was able to 
you know, grow up with some guys who went on to, you know, create their own legacy at Washington High School. It just, it was impacted in me. I thought about it every day. I mean, playing for a state championship, who would want to do that? And uh, it was kind of like a way of life for us. We talked about it all the time growing up. We we, we did some un- unbelievable things when we were, when I was a freshman, we had a couple of sophomores on our team that were driving their own car. So Rick Mount in 1966 was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which was incredible. You know, I mean, a high school kid from Indiana. And uh, we we got in our car and drove up uh, 65 North to Lebanon just to see a sign outside of his hometown that said Lebanon, Indiana, home of Rick Mount. And uh, then, you know, that, that same year in 66, we sit in the parking lot of Hinkle Field House and listen to the state championship game. We couldn't get in, so we just sit in the car and just, you know, heard the roar of the crowd. So it was instilled in us. Yeah, you had that unbelievable senior season, 31-0, and state championship, and then to be named Mr. Basketball for the state of Indiana. Uh, yeah. To yeah. your decision to go to the go play for the Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah, I went to IU and uh, really wanted to stay close to home. I, unfortunately, my dad, I lost my dad during my senior year. Right after my uh, Indiana-Kentucky All-Star game, uh, my dad, who was a construction worker, fell from a building over at Eli Lilly and was killed, unfortunately. So it put a lot of pressure uh, on our family, who we didn't have very much. So... Uh, I wanted to stay close to home, and that that sealed my decision to go to Indiana. Although I was really leaning that way before that before this happened. Um, as a Purdue fan, obviously the Indiana Purdue <laughs> rivalry is a is a big deal. Um, and although you only yeah. got to actually participate once, what was it like playing against the Boilermakers in a state rivalry game like that? Uh, uh, I'm telling you, no matter what the record of the other team is, it's just it's a war. And they had a guy by the name of George Faber, who now is a big window manufacturer and sells a lot of windows here in Indiana, in the Indianapolis metropolitan area. Really nice guy, but he was a big, rugged guy. And, uh, you know, he gave me all I wanted in that game. And that's kind of been the history of the IU Purdue series. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, they end up beating us. Uh, the only time I played against Purdue, we, we lost, and it was at Bloomington. So, And it's still happening to this day. Purdue, IU, it doesn't get any better than that in our state. Uh, obviously, some great memories, uh, Purdue, IU. Uh, me yeah. being an IU fan, what was, what was just your best memory as a Hoosier? Um... I think signing, you know, the excitement. Uh, when I when I went there, they were playing in the old arena, which was uh, an old structure and uh, floor with uh, sawdust uh, floors around and bleachers. And uh, they did say that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna build a new arena here and uh, try and move our program forward. And that was Assembly Hall. So. That was probably really a, an exciting time to see that all go up during my freshman year and 
we were able to play there my sophomore year. So it was it was a pretty neat thing seeing the old arena be demolished and this new one um, being built. Although after you got in there, the seating wasn't the greatest in the world. Um, what was it like as an Indiana Hoosier? You know, you had a big name at the time knowing you were going to take that next step and make it to the ABA after your career at Indiana, what was that like for you? Um, you know, it was, it was exciting to know that, you know, I put in all this work as a kid that was able to play in a great situation in high school, a really good situation in college and established myself as one of the top players in the country and again, it was an opportunity to stay close to home. I was always a home hometown boy, and I I really loved living here in Indiana. So uh, it, it matched well with kind of all my wishes, uh, you know. And um, it was it was special to be able to play at every level, high school, college, and pro in one town. Doesn't happen too often to to athletes. And not only playing at the pro level, but playing. Uh, for the Pacers, both in the ABA and later in the NBA. Uh, Correct. Yeah, what was that uh, first uh, stint with the Pacers like? Obviously, you were a two-time champion. Um, How was that transition from college to the pro level for you? Well, you know, I was used used to being on winning teams, and uh, actually the Pacers had won a championship the year before I got there. And uh, and they really had a good uh, season team. Mel Daniels, Roger Brown, who were both in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, were the two cornerstones of that team, along with Bobby Slick Leonard, our coach. Um, so I was I was just trying to fit in and not be uh, a nuisance or cause trouble, and uh, it worked out so well because the guys were so great to me and we had just a good group of guys. We rode horses together. We did everything together. We all rode motorcycles together. You know, we really embodied the word team. We did more stuff off the court than we ever did on the court. So it was a, it was an honor to be able to play with those guys and and then be coached by uh, slick Bobby Leonard. Well, uh, George, I would say you did more than uh, fit in averaging uh, nearly 17, and then I think 27 points a game in your second year. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, most of the most of the other guys uh, like Roger and Mel and those guys had retired or moved on. They you know played for other team in Memphis, but they only played a couple of months and and uh, they they end up retiring. But uh, yeah, my second year I really came of age, but all the veterans were gone, and we kind of. We uh, re-upped uh, our, our team with young guys and uh, wasn't expected to go very far, but we had a really good year. What To you, what is the biggest difference between the transition to the ABA and the NBA? What was it like going from one league to the other? Well, you know what? It's, it's like we were playing like the NBA plays today, up and down, shooting threes, um, spreading out the floor, and the A and the NBA was just a big old strong guys league where you threw it down in the post and you just physically beat up your opponent and uh, over overpowered him. So it was like 
um, night and day compared to the ABA and ABA where I've you know started my career at. But you know it was not easy. It was it was easy for me to play in that league because I was very confident, and uh, you know it was a different kind of game that they played over there. Our game was much more exciting, like the NBA game is today. So um, gradually they start leaning toward a more open style game with a little bit more scoring. It's, it just gives the fans, a, I think, a little bit more bang for their buck. Yeah, George, you. Uh, I was looking at some of the stats. You averaged nearly uh, 35, actually, I think a little bit over at 35% from three-point range uh, in your last year in the ABA. So I want to ask you, how yeah. do you think your name would uh, transfer uh, to today's NBA? Um, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, you know, these guys are, you know, are so much more well-conditioned. When we played um, basketball, you got in basketball shape during – uh, basketball season, meaning that you went to training camp and, and things like that. Uh, there was five or six guys on our team when I was a rookie that had summer jobs. You know, I only I only made uh, thirty, I think thirty two thousand dollars, thirty one, thirty two thousand dollars my first year or so with the Pacers. So, um, but now you know a guy like LeBron, he said he spends a million dollars a year on his body um but that wouldn't that wasn't heard of when when we were coming up it was a whole different uh attitude uh although the thirty thousand dollars a year in, in 1971 72 was really good money um it just uh it, you know when you got done with the season you took off you went on vacation you went took your wife and your kids somewhere you did things for now it seems to be a 24-hour, 12-month-a-year process that uh, these guys uh, go through, and they're much better conditioned. They're much better athletes. Um, and I, I could fit in. I, I don't know um, how well I would do, but I could definitely fit in, yeah. So you're not saying, like, uh, maybe uh, Michael Jordan's uh, former agent, uh, David Falk, said that he would average 60 points a game on 75% shooting in today's league. You're saying maybe not that for you? Well, uh, no, no, no. I, I because well, Michael Jordan's a whole different species that we're talking about. But, yeah, I think I think I'd do okay. You know, in my prime, I would probably do as well as I did, you know, when I was playing. You know, I could average over 20 a game, over 10 rebounds. That wasn't very hard in those days. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it baffles me with, with big guys. You can almost get two or three rebounds a game just by accident, just by being tall. So when I see someone who's seven foot tall who doesn't average with five or six rebounds, it makes me wonder. I said, what's, what's going on? I mean, it's just, you know, rebounding is hard work. And, you know, Dennis Rodman's a perfect example, man. That guy was incredible. But uh, it's just about positioning and working hard and getting in the right position, knowing the angles where the ball's going to bounce. You know, I could, you know, in today's game, I know I can average double figures in the rebound and probably in points as well. So, well, and hey, uh, you mentioned LeBron James. Uh, you nearly had a, you had a LeBron James season yourself 
that uh, last year you were in the ABA, nearly averaged a uh, triple-double in the playoffs. And uh, yeah. on, uh, your team lost in the finals that year, unfortunately. Yeah, we lost to the Kentucky Tournament. Like I said, we were a very young team. We had several rookies, uh, Don Boozy, uh, uh, Billy Knight, uh, you know, several, Kevin Joyce. We had some people just, we had just drafted and they just, we just, again, we fit in well. We took the same approach. I took the same approach with those guys that those veterans who unfortunately had gone on and were getting ready to retire. I took the same approach with the new guys that did the old guys took with me and would, you know, open them with welcome arms. Uh, you know, this was kind of like a big family. We did everything together. You know, we had, uh, you know, parties and stuff on the road. If there was a birthday or if there was a special occasion, we all got together. So we meshed immediately. And, uh, and we were a really good team. We were we were picked uh, just to barely make the playoffs that year. If we made it, we were not picked to get past the first round. And we upset uh, two or three teams, I think, Denver and uh, Utah and someone else to get to the finals of that game, of that, of that year. We are going to pause right there for a quick advertisement. We hope you're enjoying this show. Thank you. Jonah, do you know what is ridiculously fast? What's that, Andrew? Endeavor Communications internet speeds. That's right. In Indiana, basketball is everything. And if you're anything like Andrew and I, you are always streaming basketball, your favorite sports, or just your favorite shows. And hey, you're always going to need Wi-Fi. Ridiculously fast. Endeavor Communications provides Wi-Fi perfect for watching the big game, streaming your favorite shows, working, studying, and gaming all at the same time. Not only is Endeavor fast, but when you go with Endeavor, you support the whole community. Endeavor Communications is proud to serve and support our local community. From homes, education, businesses, Endeavor will keep you ahead of the game. You can find out more and see for yourself at weendeavor.com. That's weendeavor.com. And tell them Small Town Sports Talk sent you. Who were some of the guys uh, in your time that you battled with a lot and that you just enjoyed playing against? Well, Julius Serving, Dr. J, George Iceman Gervin, uh, Artis Gilmore, Dan Issel. These are legendary guys who, who could really, really play. Rick Barry. Um, so we had some outstanding talent over in the ABA. You know, we, we, had the, we had the better players, in my opinion, because when the leagues first merged, the first All-Star game had half the All-Star team was from the ABA. And the two coaches who coached the All-Star was from the ABA. So it was really incredible. So uh, when the ABA did merge, it made a big impact on the NBA. You just mentioned so many greats, and we've talked a little about LeBron and talked about MJ even. Right. Um, in your mind, who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Well, I think MJ, you know, he um, he will always be the GOAT to me. Although I think LeBron is a close second. He is, uh, you know, he's been playing, I don't know, just 16 or 17, 16 years, and he still gets up and down the floor like a young man. It's amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, nobody's going to surpass uh, Michael Jordan in my mind, but uh, LeBron is certainly right up there. And, 
he's an incredible athlete and a really good guy. He does a lot of good things in his community. He works with kids. He's very sociably conscious. So I think he's got a really good heart. And uh, that, that to me, it means as much as uh, being just a good athlete. Happy uh, to get your take on that and uh, get, get some kind words from LeBron there, George. Uh, you mentioned yeah. some of the best players that you played against, uh, and you also talked about uh, how close you were with that uh, Pacers team in the ABA. Yeah. Who right. were some of your uh, favorite uh, teammates to play with? Um, well, you know, when I first got there, of course, Mel Daniels, Roger, and Bob Nedelecki, myself, Billy Keller. Uh, you know, Billy Keller went to my high school, and he ended up going to Purdue. He was a legend there with Rick Mount. And they, of course, went to the finals of the NCAA, and I think it was 67 or so and, and where they got beat by uh, Luau Center, who's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that finals. So, um then, you know, of course, I came, a guy named Don Boozy, uh, Darnell Hillman, who was, was the legendary guy, uh, you know, a lot of other young guys. I mean, we just got along perfect. And I think it was all because of the coaching. That was uh, Slick. Uh, Slick was uh, responsible for that. You know, he, he would the first thing he would have a meeting um, before the season started, he goes, look, guys, you got to care about each other. You got to love each other. And just remember, you're nobody until you do something for somebody else. So it kind of put put an icing on the cake for us about really caring about each other. Even when we had tough times, when we lose three, four games in a row, we never got down on each other. You know, we were mad because we lost, but we never got down on each other. And that was uh, that was a real key to our team, I think. Now, George, I did want to ask you about uh, your former coach, uh, Slith Leonard. Uh, what's it like seeing him still uh, announcing games? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I told him, I said, they're going to, you know, when you die, they're going to, you know, the Smithsonian's going to take his body and examine it because it's unbelievable. He just continues to go. I think he loves the game so much and people love him so much that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would be disappointed if he if he stopped doing the games, but it keeps him going. He absolutely loves it, and I'm so happy for him. I talk to him at least every week. That that's pretty cool that you still have that relationship with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then, George, uh, obviously you had to switch over, or you switched over from the ABA to the NBA. Uh, what was it right. like? Billy and um, I actually heard a little bit that you wanted to end up with the New York Knicks. Uh, what was that about? Well, when I, um, you know, when, back in those days, um, and, you know, the ABA would draft you and someone in the NBA would draft you. Now, depending on what league you went to, the other team held your draft rights for life. So, when I uh, signed with the Pacers, they drafted me number one. and uh, But over in the NBA, I was drafted by Philadelphia number one. Um, so when I, uh, when I uh, played out my 
last year's contract, that one year we had the, the really great year with the young players, you know, I was offered money that I just could only dream about, you know, uh, half a million dollars a year, a half a million dollars signing bonus. Um, but the Knicks were the ones who were doing it. They called me and I met with them and they said, I, I know that we don't hold your draft rights, but we're going to take this to court. We'll indemnify you. You don't have, you won't, you won't be responsible for any financial issue uh, in this thing. Um, and I think what had happened, we had played the Knicks in an exhibition game the year before. And uh, I think their coach loved, loved the way I played. So he, uh, I think he enticed the general manager to take a chance in that arena. And uh, so uh, I flew up to New York, met with them. Uh, you know, they had a really good team at the time. They, were, they had won two championships as well, just like we did. So uh, and their guys were getting over older and they were trying to reset their team. And they were going to use me as one of the cornerstones. Well, I says, okay, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. So we signed. Of course, the NBA got involved, and there was a big lawsuit. And at the end of the day, to make a long story short, the Knicks lost, and Philadelphia won, and they matched everything the Knicks offered me. So I'll end up in Philly. It's just crazy to me how much um, the game has changed in every way, including the money standpoint. Um, looking at today's oh, yeah. game, how involved are you like with today's game, and how often do you find yourself sitting in Bankers Life Fieldhouse to watch the Pacers? Oh, I do. I, I see a few games a year, but I do quite a few appearances for the Pacers. I still, uh, I'm still engaged. I, I enjoy watching. Um, so yeah, it's, it's yeah, just it just amazes me. I, sometimes I see a guy says he probably couldn't even play on our team. I says, oh, yeah, but he's making $17 million a year. I'm thinking, wow, it's unbelievable. And then what's it it's like when you're at these games and you look up and you see your name and number in the rafters? Well, it's quite an honor. It's, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys who get to be honored in that way. And, you know, everybody's up in those Raptors, and myself, Slick, Roger, Mel, and Reggie. Uh, we're all in the Hall of Fame, so that that means that you, you know, you left a legacy. You did something that was good enough to, you know, warrant them saying, "Hey, we want to honor you in this way." So it was, it was wonderful. It was, it's a wonderful uh, thing uh, to, to, you know, to walk in there and see your jersey hanging up there. So. Jonah is talking about uh, how some of the things in the NBA change um, from when you played to now. But one of those things being yeah. players no longer want to go play for the New York Knicks. Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah. Oh, I think it's ownership, no question. Um, the ownership has not shown that he's willing to you know, do all the right things to win a championship. You know, sometimes these owners like New York and Golden State and Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics, those are the cash cows of the NBA. You know, they, they make money whether they win or lose. Now all the, all the owners in the, in, in the NBA make money whether the team wins or loses. So 
um, you know, for years, the Clippers never wanted to win. They just wanted to stay under the cap, and the owner made a nice piece of change. But, um, you know, it takes a commitment. I think now uh, with some of the things that's happened over the years with the Knicks organization, a lot of the present-day players are turned off about going there, and they don't, they don't even want to entertain uh, talking about going there. This is the way things have evolved in the last five to ten years. That's my take. That, that's what I like to hear, George. Uh, I'm I'm a huge Celtics fan, so uh, anything that yeah. fit down the niche, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I also wait. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was just going to say, there's there's nothing. One of the greatest honors playing Madison Square Garden and the. You know, in, 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 the, in the Boston Gardens, it was um, it was a real honor to see all those flags, and you know they emphasize emphasis it, 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 it just emphasize what a team basketball is all about, and they still do it to this day. They're, they're quite an extraordinary organization, committed to winning. That's for sure. Even more of uh, what I like to hear, Jonah knows. Uh, I'm all, I'm all about the Celtics. Um, yeah. I, I said, I also want to ask you, uh, you say you're still watching games. Do you ever uh, talk to any NBA players uh, that are currently playing, give advice or anything like yeah. that? Well, no, not so much advice, but, you know, they'll come over. You know, LeBron um, is a guy who is uh, really um, – involved in the history of the game. He can tell you players from each era all the way back to the 50s and 60s. So, um, you know, I have talked to him a couple of times. He says, yeah, you're supposed to be the LeBron of your day. And I says, well, I don't know about that. But he was nice and very gracious and uh, was happy to meet me. And uh, he told me, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, what you left. And uh, it's because of you guys that we're you know what we're doing today. So he was very, very nice. But I'm in. A, I'm in a lot of players. Reggie was a great guy. Um, you know, when I go to games, uh, you know, sometimes I'll uh, be down in the parking garage where the opposing uh, team comes in, and I'll meet a lot of those guys just that way. I met Michael through there, uh, Jordan and Scotty, uh, a lot of players over over the league over the years. So. Yeah, yeah, and most of them have been pretty nice. You know, they're pretty nice to older guys. You know, they pay their respects, which is kind of cool. I have one last question for you. Um, overall, what are your thoughts on this year's uh, Indiana Pacers team? Well, it's, oh, I think the verdict is still out. You know, we got a new coach. We don't know what's going to happen with Oladipo, you know. Um, uh then um, there's a few questions on, you know, how how we're going to move forward with this team, and who you're. And obviously, there's going to be some trading, and uh, who's going who's going to be the person who gets traded, and then what you're going to get for him uh, for that trade. So that's going to be the big key questions for the Pacers. They uh, they had a pretty good year last year, but they then they end up getting some injuries. Oladipo and uh, what's his name? The big Russian center. He was, he's a terrific player. Sabonis. Yeah. Sabonis. He is, he is just incredible. He's wonderful. 
I would think that I, I heard her talk about um, his name being mentioned in trade uh, talk, but I, there's a guy I would not trade. Uh, I think he might be the most valuable player there on the Pacers team. So it just depends. They got a new coach, maybe. I don't know if they're looking for a new direction, but uh, time will tell. I think the jury's still out. But no matter what they do, I'll always support them. They're my team. And, uh, you know, uh, we started with that team. And, you know, whatever happens, we're going to live and die with them. Homegrown Indiana prospect George McGinnis, living and dying with the Pacers. I, I like to hear that. Yep. Before we get to the 60-second speed round, I have one more question for you. I, I, I gotta okay. Ask, uh, what, what do you think about uh, today's game? Oh, I, I, I love it. I think it's exciting. Um, I, I think I love Curry with the, uh, with the Golden State Warriors. He's uh, so exciting. He's kind of a unique guy being, you know, he's about six foot three, but he's kind of slight. But uh, he is absolutely probably the best shooter that's ever played the game. And I love watching the way they played. They played so hard and played together. Um, and um, I think that there's so much talent in the league. It's, it's crazy. Every year it seems as though you get these kids who do freakish things. And um, it's... Uh, it's it's just uh, been fun to watch how it all evolved over the years. George, that's awesome. Hey, uh, it has been incredible talking to you. Now it's yep. time for our 60-second speed round where it's about 10 or so fun questions for you, just easy answers. Um, but I'll start the timer, and Jonah's got the questions for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. It is our 60-second speed round brought to you by Endeavor Communications. Jonah, you got it. Uh, what is your favorite hobby right now? Uh, my favorite hobby would used to be golf. I got a bad back. I had a couple operations, but uh, I don't play so much anymore but golf. And okay, what was Okay. What was your first big purchase in the league? My mom. I bought my mom a house. 40 seconds. Um, who, what is your favorite place to eat in downtown Indianapolis? St. Elmo's. Uh, who is your favorite current NBA player? LeBron James. If you had to pick a sport outside of basketball to be a professional athlete in, what would it be? 20 seconds. Base, baseball. Uh, do you have a favorite book? Yes, The Art of War. Okay, and then what is your favorite music artist? Motown, anything Motown. All right, that's all I got. And that'll do okay. it. 60 seconds speed round brought to you by Endeavor Communications. George, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I wish you nothing but uh, success in the future, and I really had a good time being with you tonight. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you. I know uh, for me, for Jonah, uh, thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Uh, please go out and listen to more of our podcasts. Uh, I'm Andrew Willett with Jonah Freeman, and today, George McGinnis. That's S2 Squared.